celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Elise Andrews is an Olympic medalist, a Commonwealth triple gold medal champion, a New Zealand racing cyclist with a remarkable career and an even more inspiring personality. Elise earned a silver medal in the women's Kieran cycling at the Tokyo 2020 Games and captivated New Zealand Aotearoa with her display of pride for her country, her team and herself. Last year, she became a four-time Commonwealth Games medal winner and in 2023, amongst plenty of racing and training, she was also recognized as a finalist for Sportswoman of the Year at the Halberg Foundation Awards. She's a teammate, a role model, a friend, and a daughter. So many things. Elise, welcome to Tool Poppy Talk. Where and how are you today? Thank you. No, it's, it's yeah, really nice to be here and super excited to have a chat. Um, yeah, right now I'm actually at the track, so I'm in Cambridge for a few months, um, which is actually really nice, just like staying put, um, getting into the routines, just putting my head down and training really hard. And I think like that's a, I love being in that space because sometimes when you're traveling, it, it does get really hectic and you are flying all over the show and you're jet lagged. So yeah, it's nice to be here. And uh, the Velodrome out in Cambridge, I know you went to St. Peter's, does it feel extra familiar as well? Yeah, it's pretty funny because, like, yeah, I still remember going to school and walking over, like, sometimes in, like, my study period or sometimes in lunchtime you'd come over here and do, like, a wee session and then go back to school. And it was just, yeah, it was a really fun little thing we had going on for the last couple of years of school. So, yeah, it is it is interesting, to, like, being here and, like, looking over at St. Peter's and just knowing that, like, yeah, a few years ago, like, I was there. So, it's yeah, it's, it's a fun feeling super inspiring and that feeds in like I think I speak for so many people when I say not only do you have this insane career with cycling but there's so much more whether it was like singing the national anthem or being involved in that so how would you define yourself outside of the cycling world yeah I think like I have lots of other things that I like to do and lots of other things that make me happy as a person and so yeah one of those things is like um I guess my creative side I grew up my mum's a music teacher so I grew up um a lot around music like played played a lot of different instruments when I was younger and that's always been like a really nice grounding thing for me and so yeah I'd say creative um the, the national anthem project was really fun leading into the games and um I love to keep little things like that taking over in my life and so yeah definitely love to embrace like the creative side um love spending time with friends and family like that's honestly what fills my cup it's just yeah spending time with the people that I love um yeah lots of I little love, things <laughs> I love that and I know especially when you are a sportswoman you're a sports person that's what a lot of people are going to know you as because that's how they're first introduced to you so I love that we can remind of there's all these other attributes and things that make up who you are in your relationship. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. Thank um, you. Of course, now to divot back into cycling, I'm very familiar. We have some listeners from all over the show. So can you now explain your cycling career and journey and maybe touch upon, like I know in the junior like junior age groups you were doing endurance and speed 
that's like I'm asking a lot of questions right now but can you explain the journey of your cycling career yeah for sure yeah so I um I always I was really super sporty kids so I played a lot of sports um and I rode for fun mainly mountain biking like that was uh such a cool thing to do when I was younger I grew up in Wanaka so there was so many tracks and trails and like obviously a really beautiful place to ride and so that's kind of where like my more regular riding came in um and then my parents I'd, I'd ridden the track once or twice um as like a, a kid maybe first time maybe 11 or 12 um but when I was 13 um my dad took me down and we did a wee try and I think I did a race or just a little fun little um night race with all the kids and I had fun and I kind of felt like I clicked with the sport which is like kind of hard to explain but I did that and then went home um and dad asked me if I wanted to do another race like a few weeks later um and he's like no we can we can do some training for it and my both my parents are cyclists so like they know yeah they know what's up and so he started writing a little program for me and he bought me a bike and I was like oh my gosh like okay I've got a bike now like I'm, I'm doing a little bit of training and I went back um a few weeks later for that competition and yeah again just like I had fun and it just seemed to like work with my body like I loved going fast and that was always like a theme when I was mountain biking I loved just whacking it into my massive gear and just grinding away and trying to sprint as fast as I can and like, I love beating my parents like that's what I would always try to do so it kind of like cycling brought out that like competitive strong like speed loving nature in me and so um that's kind of how I got into it but for the next few years up until I was 16 I still played other sports like I love netball and um that was I, that was really hard to stop actually because I just love playing um with the team and like the relationship that you have with all the girls in the team I really really loved that but decided that um I wanted to be a bit more serious about my cycling and yeah so at that point I was like you said doing um endurance and um sprint and my first year as a, a junior cyclist I um was I'd say probably more natural at the shorter stuff um and I did try out the team pursuit which is with four women uh four girls at that time um and it just wasn't quite right for me like I couldn't really contribute much to the team so uh that year we decided to focus on the team sprint which at that time was two girls um and two laps so myself and my um teammate Emma went to world champs and we actually ended up um, winning that event um, as a junior and um, but I also love the individual pursuit which is 2k for junior women um, and I got a medal in that event as well so that year was definitely a, a mix like a real mix of um, disciplines and the next year I focused a bit more on endurance um, and ended up getting the individual pursuit win um, as junior um, and I did a sprint event the Karen which I would say probably is my favorite event well definitely one of my favorite events now um but I just did it for fun and I really enjoyed that but after juniors I went into endurance into the elite team here and I really loved loved it um it was a challenge for me uh like I said I think sprinting is definitely probably more natural for my body I'm not insanely fast twitch but I'm definitely not a diesel enduro either so I'm in sort of that that middle space but at the end of my first year as an endurance rider, I 
really struggled with overtraining when I was 18. And so there potentially could have been underfueling issues in there as well. Um, it just wasn't really working for me. And I sort of fell into a period of time where I was just like exhausted. Like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even do the short, fun little efforts that I love to do. Um, and so that was a really hard time for me. And um, during that time, the sprint coach approached me and asked whether I would be interested in thinking about sprinting. And that was a really like interesting conversation because I felt I felt like he right, he really believed in me and he sort of like lit that fire a little bit saying like I think that you we could develop you into something like you've got potential basically. And so that was really exciting for me. And so over the next few months I thought about it thought about the switch from endurance to sprint and I went back and forward like at one time I was like no there's no way I'm leaving the girls and leaving the endurance team um I love it which I I did love it but it was definitely hard for me um and then I got selected for the world champs because one of the sprint women crashed and they needed someone to fill in so they chucked me in the team and I rode in Poland just got sent to Poland you're going in two days kind of thing and competed there, which was, I think, probably what what made me switch from endurance to sprint because I was, like, immersed in that environment. And, again, like, it's it's not easy. It was really hard as a 19-year-old. Um, new team, new teammates, you know, you're not as close with them as you are with the others and all of that. But I felt really supported by the staff and I felt like they really, like, valued my potential. And so, yeah, that was in um, 2019 and since... Then I have been a sprinter, so just yet yeah, kept progressing throughout 2019 um, into 2020 and made the final of the Karen in 2020 at World Champs, and that's what selected me or solidified selection for me um, for the Olympic Games. And, yeah, the rest is kind of like, <laughs> yeah, you've explained the rest a little bit. Like, the Olympics went amazingly. Um, yeah, honestly, stoked that I could um, walk away with a result and in the Commonwealth Games. And yeah, so it's kind of just flowed on from there. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And I love the details too, even like this, the struggling parts where you're, again, overfueling, like all these things that I can imagine. You'd seen a lot of success at a pretty young age, which would have, ah, oh, it, it's incredible. Seriously, I'm just like, wow, th those, those details, the coach who's like, shoulder tap you like try this out and then two days before Poland like I can't imagine the adrenaline you're just grateful to be there yeah um yeah. and then as I've been doing like I feel like most people in New Zealand would be like oh yeah the Kieran and then they're like what is what exactly is the Kieran and I did some digging and it's like there's this mm -hmm. balance needed between you mentioned like physical effort and tactical skill can you describe what you mean by that when talking Kieran? Yeah, absolutely. So the Kieran is a very exciting race. There's um, usually six women um, in the race and you draw before the race one to six um, on an iPad or on cards or something that determines your um, starting position. And so you line up across the track in your starting position. There's a motorbike that comes on and paces you over three laps up to 50 k's an hour. And after they've paced you to 50 k's an hour, um, the bike pulls off. And during that time where you're in the bike, no one is allowed to pass the front wheel of the bike. So there's a few little rules um, that go on during sort of like, I guess, the the first three laps. Um, and then, but when the bike pulls off, it's 
basically a free-for-all and first across the line wins and so it can be definitely a very chaotic event it's where we see the most crashes in sprint cycling um I've had a crash in the Karen before it's like it's so fast-paced and it's so like it can be really pushy but honestly once you get used to it like now you, you just hold your ground like you just you know like knuckle down and hold your ground but it's I think, yeah, you have to get that balance right between the tactical execution yeah, and, and the physical output. And there's been races where I have put myself in a bad position and because I'm in a bad position, I'm unable to do anything physically. And that's the most frustrating place to be in um, because you're just sitting there and it might be easy, but you literally can't get out from your position to sort of move forward. And that's what happened to me at World Champs uh, last year, I made that decision or I made a decision and it didn't work out and I was just sat there and I'm like, oh no, like I can't do anything about this, And but I but, it, but it's easy and so it's, it is really frustrating and for me, I really like to focus on, um, I guess, having clear track in front of me. So that means that I make decisions to get myself um, into a position where I can actually just let loose because, yeah, like that's kind of where you have to be to put yourself in a good position um, across the finish line. So yeah, it is a real balance of making decisions, putting yourself in a good position, giving yourself space, uh, analyzing the rest of the race. So where's everyone else? Like what's this? What's what are they likely to do? Um, and then just going for it. So yeah, it's very fun. Wow, it sounds it. And I was watching the final. And apologies, I don't remember the one of the Commonwealth. It was just you versus. Yeah one other and she couldn't do anything because of that physical effort like I can imagine from what you've described when there's just two of you yeah she she tried different tactics to like block you and you just had that open space that you talked about and it was done Mm. It, it was incredible but you can see like that exhaustion afterwards because that's just is it is it more rewarding I guess is like you said when you feel trapped if you make a technical you know not mishap but you're not in the best technical position um when you can finish and you're like oh the physical effort got to hit 100 yeah 100 percent. like it is so satisfying when you know whether like whether you win the race or not that you know that you are absolutely tapped out like I think that's yeah very very satisfying and it is frustrating when you do make a mistake in a race and you're not you feel like you're not able to put your best foot forward but um yeah because it is such a balance in the care and and what you're describing is called the individual sprint you yeah it is a balance so you have to get you have to get it right and um it doesn't always happen but you can learn from like the tactical mistakes that you make and um you can play play around on the track at home and sort of practice the things that are important like visuals giving space what to do how to respond to different moves on the track and like how to actually use the track to your advantage um as well because that's a whole another conversation about how to actually create speed and use the free speed and scrub off speed and like lots of different things oh I love that do you have in cycling because I know we have in rowing when you said free speed like we'll make jokes that wearing Oakley's is free speed like is there is there something like that in cycling yeah yeah there are definitely jokes like that um 
There's a funny one that people sometimes talk about, like it's faster to wear like your Oakley's under your aero helmet than it is to wear your visor, which is just not true. But like, well, I don't think it is true, but it's so funny when people chuck on an aero helmet and they've just got these little Oakley's on underneath and it's like a look. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of actual aerodynamics and free speed, like there is a lot of, um, there's a lot that can be gained in equipment. Um, and that's like, a, that's another really cool, exciting space in cycling because aerodynamics is so important so yeah lots of fun conversations <laughs> oh I can imagine so I'll I'll stay on on task there was yeah a, a quote I pulled from you where you're like you know I definitely put pressure on myself but the important thing is to have perspective and there was more to it but could you please explain what this perspective is yeah yeah I think like um, in sport and in elite level sport, like it is easy to get really sucked into your environment and, you know, it happens to everyone, it happens to me, but I think the perspective that I'm talking about is actually realizing that we're here for all of these kind of reasons, like, like, um, pushing ourselves to limit to, um, to see how we can go for how far we can go physically, you know, to put ourselves up against the best in the world and fight for those medals. But at the same time, we're also here because we love the sport and we're here because it's fun. And we're here because we love our teammates and we love to create those relationships and we love to learn off the staff that are around us because they're world-class at their jobs. So there's there's a lot it, it is easy to see things in a black and white light and um definitely you have to at, at times but it's also good to take a step back and just like a, a deep breath and really just like put it all into perspective because a sporting career doesn't last forever doesn't last your whole entire lifetime um in elite level sport and so it's really um I guess yeah kind of gaining that that bigger picture and being able to um really like look at it and look at your career and um like I don't know I guess that kind of explains that a little bit does that make sense yes no thank you it does it's I think it ties into what we started about of how you define yourself outside of the sport is like at least Andrews is so much more than just cycling and it sounds like you're saying that perspective is enjoying that you can be there and you're doing this thing that you all love and of course you take it extremely seriously and there's moments where it's probably feeling all those seriousness but ultimately it's like it's very cool that that's this is what you get to spend your time doing with people who are also as passionate about it I think it's incredible and yeah thank you I I know that there's a bunch of interviews especially post-race where you're like it's fun we get to do this um I also, I love too, and I know Rod Corbin was someone who I got to speak to through the podcast and he does like high performance psychology and mm -hmm. he was talking about identity and how maybe even like younger athletes coming through are probably better at acknowledging, like you said, high performance, maybe participation isn't a forever thing because at some mm -hmm. point like we transition to different things you can be in that space forever absolutely um and so I thought I was like oh that was interesting hearing you talk about it hearing you say that because I was like oh he he's right and we also spoke a lot about tall poppies and sports people and how you are 
you are above not going to say you're above society but we do idolize you guys especially I'd say like athletes and so I consider you a tall poppy for so many reasons not just your cycling achievements um I was hoping you could describe in your own words what the phrase tall poppy syndrome is yeah I guess um like you hear people talk about tall poppy syndrome and I think the way that I the way that I perceive it is that it is really common um, in New Zealand to feel like you can't praise yourself or you can't talk extremely like emotionally in an excited way about your achievements and that is something that I have definitely noticed but um, kind of I guess even more so after the games and there was an interview and I was extremely emotional because it was a very crazy whirlwind period of time. Directly after my race and I talked about how proud I was of myself and I remember hearing, and I didn't think anything of it at the time because I'm like, I'm so proud that I've, that I've made this happen for myself and I've, you know, um, put everything, put my best foot forward, put myself in this position um, here. But then afterwards, people were like, Oh, it's so good to hear that you're so proud of yourself I'm like of course I'm proud of myself like it is so hard like it's so hard to push for all of this and when it pays off like it is like the best feeling in the world and I yeah I don't think that people really um talk about that all the time because like it's important to acknowledge um your successes and I don't like doing it all the time and I don't like putting myself out there but I know that it's important and I know that it's important for myself um, to acknowledge those um, achievements. Um, but it's also important to, to show everyone else that like, you can be proud of your, yourself and you can be proud of the effort that you put into whatever you do, not just sport. And, you know, where what you make happen for yourself. Yes. And that is definitely a moment that a lot of people responded to like, oh, I'm, I'm so impressed and happy that she's proud of herself. To your point yeah you should be like that's insane <laughs> just getting there was insane and getting earning that result so I think that is a absolutely brilliant way to describe it it's allowing yourself to be proud and to share that also allows other people to share that experience because <laughs> there's a bunch of post middle post mill achieving um like performances people do and sometimes we don't get to feel that emotion. So I really love that you shared that. And also following the Commonwealth Games, there was like your competitors patting you on the back. As you just said, there was five other women competing. And I just really love that they come past and they're like, everyone's patting each other on the back. Lift Someone even lifted your arm up. I, I <laughs> noticed it's like, is that something that means a lot to you is that you all just want to accomplish something for yourselves yeah absolutely like I think yeah a lot of the girls well a lot of the girls in cycling and a lot of the girls I guess in the commonwealth because um like you know we're close to Australia and um I've spent time with some of the British girls and spent time with some of the Canadians and so the the women who are competing at the commonwealth games yes we're competitors but like it honestly means the world when we're able to celebrate together and you want to be pushing them. You want to be pushing each other and um, each of you want to achieve your own individual goals. But it's like, it, it honestly means so much when, when you do well and you're able to celebrate that with everyone else or on the flip side, you haven't done as well, but you're able to go 
up to your opponent and congratulate them for their success because they've worked just as hard as you have um, to make that happen and they're going to be stoked about it um, even if you wish you know that you could have pushed a little bit more and put yourself in that position I think like it's important that's again like acknowledging that perspective piece that you know I I think that means so much more than I guess um, not forming those relationships and not being able to say congratulations and not being excited for each other there's a few girls who don't even speak English well speak broken English and I don't speak their language but it is so nice to go up to each other and like say congratulations or whatever um, congratulations may be in their language just actually being able to share that moment with each other and maybe give each other a hug and yeah that just ties back to the conversation before like it means it is so much more than just your race being able to actually be like a kind person. I can feel what you're feeling just like from the enthusiasm when you're talking and the smiling of uh, that's incredible and I know too when you must be well I don't know because the velodrome scares me personally like for anyone who hasn't actually been near a velodrome it's very steep and the cameras don't ever do it justice but you're in these high performance environments as you've said you've traveled a lot you're in New Zealand high performance what are some of the biggest things you've learned being in these elite environments I definitely think I've learned like a lot about myself and I've learned a lot about the way that I deal with stress, deal with hard situations. And I think like those are some really valuable learnings that I'm going to be working on for what well, everyone is working on um, themselves <laughs> forever. But like, I think really like using the resources that I have here right now to better myself as a sports person, but then also help make myself stronger for post-sport as well because there are always challenges and whatever that may be and however however long I'm going to be in my career after that you know you need to be I guess having having the goal of bettering yourself and um, I think that's something that I can really take away from this environment and something that I can learn and continue to learn um, about myself that is just going to help me for the rest of my life. Yeah and I know because we have mutual connections, you have an incredible friend group. Is that also just help bolster you up knowing that the people who are in your friendship, those relationships are also a lot of them in the high performance environment as well, or if they're not, they are just so supportive. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I've Cambridge is like a really small sporting community. And so it's, you do, end up getting to know so many other sports people from different sports because you know you're in the same training environments or you're in similar training environments um you end up living together I live with rowers um and so I think yeah like I've like met some of my best best friends and you know people who I love so much through the sport and it is so it is so amazing how you can just support each other and everyone's got different goals and if if my friends do have um, different sports that they're in it's really fun to learn about that because like the fundamentals of the high performance environment are very similar and that's transferable a lot of the learnings we can talk about that and and it's similar but the sports are different so that's really like quite like a fun refreshing thing as well because I don't I don't live with I don't yeah I live with rowers so I can go home and I can learn about their sport and like I can come away from this environment a little bit or we can talk about not sport at all so it's like it's really, yeah, it's nice to be surrounded by people who understand the high performance environment. And um, for 
yeah lots of them to be in my super close support network as well so yeah that's I'm definitely very grateful to be able to lean on them and I can imagine as you said when you tap into it like if you want to talk high performance I I'm sure rowers have seen a lot of lakes across the world or rivers and you've yeah. seen lots of velodromes um I know rowers like to cycle like road cycle sometimes too I love that and the the idea that yeah you can you can focus on that when you want but I'm sure there's plenty of other fun stuff especially I love I'm born and bred Cambridge obviously so uh I, I love the town yeah. and now my last question and then I have like a little fun one at the end I was watching the medal ceremony of one of one of your three gold medals at the Commonwealth Games <laughs> <laughs> and the commentators like Elise Andrews is so calm calm cool and collected and <laughs> that is what you give off is like in the zone also pre-race and mm. I am it's not it doesn't seem like it seems a little scary but I know you're just focusing in like you give the stare how do you approach those kind of internal and external pressures of performance expectation because as a like spectator it doesn't look like you do because you look so calm and collected can you please yeah. touch upon like what that experience is like for you with nerves I guess yeah for sure I think um the stress the stress of that environment is like extremely high and it definitely might not look like it but it's yeah it is very nerve-wracking so I think like some of the strategies that I use is that I love to listen to music and so quite often like I have my warm-up and I have um my plan everything is written down I'm listening to my music my headphones are on so I think that's like one of my strategies for helping sort of ease that stress a little bit and helping me really focus on what I need to be focusing on is just being super organized and so um I think it's funny like I've been asked before like what are you listening to because you're like you're over there on the rollers which is what we warm up on you're just grooving away and I'm like oh like I don't even know like I'm just listening to something I'm like yeah nice um so I think like I like to get myself in that kind of side of the zones because it is a really stressful environment and um like it's not like it's it's obviously a valid drum is inside it's enclosed everyone is right there all of your competitors are there so sometimes it's nice to take yourself away from that as well so even going outside for a breath of fresh air a reset is really good yeah I guess in terms of um pre-race I I have my rituals and I have the things that I do and everyone around me um is aware of that and um I guess when it comes to the team event we have similar ones as well so we will sort sort everything out put our helmet on tuck our hair and like all of that kind of stuff put our skin suit on in our pit with our team and then we'll walk over and there's actually seats that you sit down on which you sometimes see um on the tv pre-race and so you'll sit down we're on um by myself or with the team you sit down the physio will come over with a towel once you've got your heat pants off which is just to keep the muscle temperature warm the towel goes on your legs you're sitting there I'll put chalk on my hands to sort of like help the grip take a few deep breaths um and then you're up for your race and so um I think like it might not look like it's stressful because there's processes and and you follow those processes and with the with the steer pre-race um I think in individual sprint, it is so important to be watching your opponent at all times. And so for me, that's just me getting in the zone. Like I'm in the zone, I'm watching my opponent, like wherever they move, I move or, or I react to, um, my eyes are where they are. So 
um, yeah, the pre-race sort of the steer is all about getting into the zone, about focusing on your opponent um, and just sort of like running through those keywords in your mind and, and everything that sort of helps me get into the zone. Thank you for explaining that. I makes sense. You're just like, why not start watching them right now? Yeah, because the whistle blow, like they, they come, the commissaire comes up the track. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. You're looking at them, the whistle blows and you're off. And so it's like taking that breath, looking across, making sure you know what you need to do. Like that is all just like a process. Um, but some people, like some competitors are definitely more intense than others. Like some don't like to look like some are like this and then others are like serious, serious stares. So I don't know, some people probably use it as like a psyching out um, technique, but probably for me, it's more the process, more personal thing. Yeah, it sounds like it's that tactical element coming in. It's, yeah. it's execution. People can definitely utilize the stare in a, like in a mental psyche game though. And I appreciate yeah. all different purposes of yeah. why it's needed. Mm. Now, my little fun question that I didn't warn you of, I ask everyone this, but you've traveled to a bunch of cool places. You've probably eaten a bunch of cool things. I know some good places in Cambridge. Um, actually, is Pony still there? It is still there. I haven't been in for a while though, but um, yeah, it's still here. Okay, that's I waitress there for like a year and that's how I got to meet a bunch of the rowers, Grace Brendacast, who's um, I interviewed last week. She's like, how are oh. you? I remember you from, from Pony. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I rode for a very long time in the sense like we love to explore sometimes the different cuisines. So if you had to have though, just one meal for the rest of your life, like it's not a final meal. It's just one for breakfast, lunch, dinner. What's it going to be? Ooh, I, um, in terms of like places that like I've traveled and food that I've had there, I like nothing is better than traditional and like authentic Italian pasta dishes. Like they are just like amazing. And even the pasta that you buy from the supermarket is better than sometimes what you'd buy out at a restaurant here. And so um, when I have spent time there, that is something that I'm eating every day for lunch. So I'm like, honestly, I think, something as yummy as that could definitely be a breakfast, lunch and dinner. Right. And there's the saying is when in Rome. So when in Italy, one must eat pasta. 100%. And I did. It was great. I loved it. It was delicious. But they just do so much of it. And it's like so yum. Oh, I love it. So yeah, I'd say that would honestly probably be, um, that would definitely be up there. Oh, good choice. Very good choice. I've had some bizarre ones. Someone said butter chicken. I was like, absolutely not. You, you, whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, you do you, but pasta I can get on board. <laughs> um, now before we wrap up, like time flies. Is there anything you wanted to say, or anything we can like look forward to coming in this twenty twenty three and beyond? Yeah, I think like yeah, this year's an exciting year for us. We're um. We've got one more major event for the year, and that's World Champs in August. Um, and it's actually a combined World Champs um, with lots of other cycling disciplines as well over the course of a couple of weeks. 
And so, yeah, that's actually going to be a really fun one because we're going there um, at a similar time as other Kiwis and other disciplines and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's our, um, what's, it's qualifying for the Olympic Games. And so that means it's uh, worth more points um, than it usually is. So that's a really exciting and it will be a really uh, fun challenge to look forward to. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're pushing for at the moment. Um, few months at home like I said and just on the grind for that um and then not too sure about the plans for the rest of the year but figure that out along the way um but yeah apart from that just like thank you for having me great conversations and I think yeah it's really important to um and really fun to like keep connected um through things like like podcasts and and having fun yarns and stuff so yeah just thank you for your work as well oh Thanks, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.